people in their life during amazing purpose-driven organization. Catch that fabulous person. My partner and I just, and I can know just read about it. Next week. You have to watch. All about it. It really changed my perspective. You've got to check it out. The RSA are big advocates of universal basic income. So maybe we need an advert with a lot of celebrities distributing their wealth better to society. I'm not sure. Something quirky like that uh, I think could be quite interesting. My name is Charlotte Sumners and I head up commercial development at the RSA, which is an acronym for a very, very long named organisation, the Royal Society for the Encouragement of Arts, Manufactures and Commerce. This is Mission Megaphone, a Growth Network podcast production. We're on a mission to be a megaphone for purpose-driven organizations that are changing the world. The RSA is an organization that has been around for 270 years. It was founded in 1754. We are an organization that is made up of 30,000 fellows and our fellows are global change makers across the world. The mission of the RSA is to unite people and ideas to resolve the challenges of our time. So one of the great inventions that came out of the RSA was the chimney sweep. And it's a problem, I guess, that is probably a little bit more uh, UK or London centric, I guess. But back in the sort of Victorian times, we were sending small boys in Oliver Twist fashion up chimneys in order to uh, clean them. And understandably, the labour conditions were horrific. So one of the things that our fellows thought that they needed to do was uh, how can we fix this problem? So they kind of set out a challenge to the public and to its fellows to try and find different innovations that could solve this. And one of the design ideas that came back was a brush with some bristles on the top and that you could poke up the chimney to be able to clean it that way instead of sending small little boys aged six, seven, eight years old up who often didn't come back or had horrific injuries. So that was one of the really interesting inventions that that came out of the RSA. And I guess that's what we see our fellowship as being about. How can we find out about the innovations that are already happening and fix the challenges in our society that might not be being picked up on or focused on by government or institutions. We try to be that thing in the middle that fills those gaps up. At the moment, we see those challenges as being around the future of work, lifelong learning, how to create a more sustainable and regenerative future. Historically, the RSA fellows paid an annual subscription to be a part of the society. And the idea was that they would give out prizes and medals for any sort of innovation that would solve the challenges of the time. So that's what our fellows do. And in modern times, I guess they still come from a huge variety of backgrounds and professions, and they try to amplify the work that our internal research team might be doing or the ideas that they hear about through our various events. Or it might be that the RSA itself, the staff here, can amplify the work that our fellows are doing in their community so that they can be taken out to a much wider audience. The RSA's community is really far reaching. The majority is made up of our fellows who are our our global community of change makers. And they can range from academics, 
entrepreneurs, policymakers, heads of, of community-based organisations, teachers, religious organisations. We are very much an apolitical organisation. Uh, and you can see that by looking back at our history of fellows because you have everyone from Karl Marx, Charles Dickens, Stephen Hawking, everyone who has been a fellow of the RSA spans the political divide. So I think that's one of the things that's fantastic about the RSA and that's hopefully why we are able to influence policy and change because we don't align ourselves with any political faction. The RSA is headquartered in the UK, but our fellowship is literally all across the globe. We do have um, sister organisations in the US and in Oceania as well. So those are areas where there is a little bit more momentum um, from staff behind that. But we also have fellow ambassadors in Lima, in Japan, um, in um, sort of Scandinavia. So there's a few different areas where there is additional um, ambassadors behind that. But yes, I guess the main area where content comes out in quite a consistent way is from the UK, the US and Oceania. Our fellowship community is made up of a whole host of people from different backgrounds, professions, sectors, and I think that's one of the things that makes our fellows and our fellowship so interesting is that a lot of membership associations are all of the same people from a different professional background. And actually what we are trying to advocate for is that when you bring people together from different disciplines, they can learn best practice from other sectors in order to think, how could I take that innovation or piece of design and bring that into my area of expertise. So historically, the RSA has worked on a huge variety of research projects due to the variety and the diverse makeup of our fellowship and staff. So we have worked on everything from universal basic income more recently through to what public services should look like in the future. In the last couple of years, we have decided that actually we need to really focus our strategy on a few key areas. And these are the impact programs that we have started to develop. So you'll see on our website that our research projects might be some of the historical projects that we have worked on. And then our impact programs currently under the future of work, lifelong learning or what we call cities of learning. Uh, and then our most recent program that we have launched is around regenerative features and how we need to be taking a step away from sustainability and really pushing ourselves to look at how do we restore and make sure that we are putting back into the earth rather than just trying to reduce the amount of waste that we currently produce at the moment. One of the innovations or areas that really gets me excited every year is actually our Student Design Awards, which is a competition that has been running since, I think, 1924. And that is a way that we manage to engage with students who are trying to tackle some of the pressing social, environmental, economic issues through design thinking. So some of the winners that come out of that are fantastic. I've been lucky enough to sit on the judging panel of a couple of those and they can be really, really exciting. Even I guess as simple as watching how you can change and design kitchenware 
to be better for people with disabilities. That was one of the really exciting projects that I got to sit on and how you can change plates and cutlery to support people who might be on the autism spectrum. Apparently the scraping of the cutlery on a plate is something that can be quite stressful and disconcerting to anyone with that disability. So they were able to design the way that the the plates and uh, the cutlery works in order to make it more comforting and experience for uh, for anyone with autism. So that was uh, a small and exciting innovation that came out of someone who was 20 just at university. So those are the exciting projects that also stick with me. We call this approach to change our living change approach. And the approach that we have really challenges us to think like a system and understand the complexities of the social challenges that we are facing and then really act like an entrepreneur and think about how we innovate and experiment with different innovations in order to help us shape inclusive, equitable, sustainable futures. So for us, it is really about trying to gain knowledge first and foremost of of the area that we're doing by engaging with a diverse range of policymakers, practitioners, fellows, um, as well as those impacted by the issue at hand. So essentially, we try to tick off each of the, the bits of that approach so that we can hopefully try to resolve that challenge bit by bit. The financial model of the RSA still is quite heavily reliant on our fellowship and the fact that they pay a monthly or annual subscription to be a part uh, of the community and in order for us to do the great work that we do. However, we also generate revenue from the fantastic building that we have in central London. We rent that out for conferences, weddings, exhibitions, that that sort of thing. Um, so that generates some money for us, which enables us to stay in the building and keep doing the work that we do. A lot of people like to use the RSA house to film movies or, or TV episodes. We are quite lucky at the RSA in that I think we're one of the only buildings to have a replica 10 Downing Street front door which is where our prime minister lives. So they can often use our building to pretend to be filming from 10 Downing Street. I think they filmed uh, The Iron Lady here, a new film that's coming out with Benedict Cumberbatch. So some quite exciting uh, movies happen here. So that's helped us a very, very small amount over the pandemic. But on the whole, we have had to pivot to doing hybrid events and we have some fantastic technology here which enables us to have amazing lectures and talks happen in the building and be able to bring people globally in. We already were very global in our outreach but actually being able to have those people dial in to the lunchtime and evening lectures that we do has been even better. So there's been some interesting pivots that we've been able to do over the pandemic. The third area of our financial model is via getting grants from trusts, foundations, corporates, um, that sort of thing. So they support the research that we do that keeps us going as a charity. If the organisation were to live up to its short and long-term goals, hopefully the RSA would be unnecessary if it was to live up to its its long-term goals. But I guess if we are focusing on our three main impact programs of work in 5, 10, 20 years time, 
the future of work would be less unequal. That would be our aim there. Um, and that everyone, regardless of background or starting point, could pursue good work in this sort of age of technological change that we were going through. I think that lifelong learning would be something that would be embedded into our society, our workplaces and the places that we, we live and build our lives. And I think we would also be pushing ourselves to be not just sustainable in the way that we live our lives, but really have a regenerative future so that we are creating a planet that is fit for future generations. We are always looking for new fellows of the RSA who have the same values and are trying to work towards the same mission. So um, if anyone would like to have a look on our website and investigate how they could become a fellow and join in our community, the website is the rsa.org. I would really encourage everyone to go to our YouTube channel at RSA Events and watch some of the fantastic animations and public events that we have so that you can get a bit of a feel for the thought leaders and the type of thinking that's coming out of the RSA. We have over 735,000 subscribers to that channel, which is, is fantastic for us. We have podcasts uh, where a lot of people will, will engage with our work. And then we have quite a large uh, Twitter following as well. And then I would really encourage listeners to have a look at our work on the future of work and regenerative futures so that they can start to get some new ideas of practices or innovations that they might be able to suggest to their own employer or community. Um, four day week, for example, four day working week. I think that would be a good one for us to, to start to trial. So I think these are the things that I would encourage listeners to do after this interview. The people who need to hear about the organization's mission the most is probably anyone who is bashing their head against a brick wall with the same challenge and are sick of going around in circles talking to the same people about the same problem. If that sounds like you, I would encourage you to have a look at the RSA and think about the things that we do. There have been a couple of spin-offs that have come out of the RSA who might be worth having a look at. Um, we are very good at the RSA at starting on a particular project, at getting it to a certain place and then allowing it to spin off from the RSA so that it can be um, take on a life of its own. So I think that's something that's quite unique about the RSA. But I know that two companies in particular that have come out, uh, one of them is called um, Tomorrow's Company. And I think that is really looking at what the purpose of corporate should be and how they should think about that. And the other one that was quite successful was called the Food Farming and Countryside Commission. That um, was incubated at the RSA for a few years and then spun out of the organisation a couple of years ago so I'd really recommend having a look at those to see how projects that have started at the RSA can turn into something quite exciting when they come out. We can really bring these interesting and fresh ideas together with the right sort of people to make the change happen. You've been listening to Mission Megaphone, a Growth Network podcast production. Follow this podcast for more incredible stories from purpose-driven organizations and individuals you'll want to meet. To find out more about this show or the RSA, check out our show notes. I'm Linz Florin. Our producers are Sari Wienerman and Jeffrey Morris. Production manager is Maura Murphy-Barras. 
Original music by Nicholas Fournier. Promotional support from Marsha Ord. Website by Nick Brodnicki. Thanks for listening. Until we meet again, keep searching for inspiration. And when you find it, make sure to pass it on. If you've ever wanted to edit your own videos or podcasts, but were overwhelmed by how complicated the software was, you are in luck. Descript, or Descript, is a magical tool that allows you to edit text as if you're editing a Google Doc. We use it for this show and use it collaboratively with clients and co-producers on all of our shows. And trust me, it's easy to learn. Click our affiliate link in the show notes to discover the magical tool for yourself. And if you want some guidance on how to learn and use it, please sign up for our Magic of Descript newsletter.